welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. As always, I'm your host of the Mostest, joined today by a very good friend of mine, uh, Lord Mark Whitehand. And we actually do refer to him as Lord Mark because technically, well, you are actually a lord, aren't you? Like, yeah. On, yeah. On, on paper, he is a lord. It's kind of cool because it's one of the things that you get being in England. Um, and real quickly, quick shout out to everyone that's sponsoring us today. And also just a reminder, go to uh, our Apple ID place, go find us on iTunes, leave us a review, a star rating, some of your comments. I love reading them and getting back to you guys and really understanding how we can always improve the show. Uh, also, real quick time, we are sponsored by, in this episode, um, Adel Marcy Unplugged, as always. Go there, check out the remaining episodes that we've actually uploaded. Um, check those out, I'm sure you'll love them. Also, we are sponsored by Mark's actual group, which is on Facebook. You can actually look it up. It's Storytelling Entrepreneurs or Stents. That's S-T-E-N-T-S. Um, you'll see me as a member. You'll see Mark as a member. And you'll see a bunch of us as members that you'll actually find a recognizable who's who in there. Because I can tell you, it's probably one of the better groups out there that really helps you figure out who you are, your voice, your avatar, and everything else. And Mark does an absolutely amazing job. And for the next however long, he's going to get grilled like a George Foreman group, we're going to get as much out of him as possible. Mark, thank you for being here. Thank you, buddy. Great to be here. Great oh. to be here. Intro as well. Oh, Very. Thank you. It's been thank it's you. been a while. Like I think I met Mark. Pr- Wait, have you always had long hair? Because I always remember it being shorter, like slightly shorter when I first met you, and then it grew out, and then you cut it again. And I was like, Yeah, it's, it's, been a while. Uh, it's what us lords do. <laughs> yes, we play yeah. with our hair and do this, yeah. do this thing, this shenanigan stuff. I had it down to the almost to, to the hip when I was twenty one and then went buzz cut and short and spiky for many years after that and then just thought, I'm nearly forty, can I grow it again? And I, I, I give it a shot and it and it got down to the mid back region and then everybody started calling me Lord again and I'm like, you know, it was just a nickname. It's my on my Skype name, which I won't give away so we don't have hundreds of people Skyping me, but it, I had nothing to do with it and people just started calling me and said, You look like a lord and then one of the guys got me a one of these things where you go online and you get some land uh, with your name behind it. And that's so so I've got my name behind a plot of land in the Lake District, which is which is just nuts. And it's all official and registered. And I got a big certificate and a coat of arms with it. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll, I'll put a post up about that as well. And then I can't get away from the name now. It's just <laughs> Lord Whitehand is, precedes me. So I, I go with it. <laughs> that's actually like the best thing ever because i just love the fact that you can go with it it's like, i have so many ways i can do this um but my goal is because i'm 28 i want to get to the point where i'm in my 50s and if i start going gray i want to grow all my hair out as long as i can because <laughs> there is a model whose name i cannot remember but he is so good looking i'm like i'm straight and i'm like dude you're, you're like 50 and stupidly ripped and handsome i want to be you you're like my, my goal when i'm 50 <laughs> not Gandalf, is it? <laughs> no, it isn't. Then that, that would be less less fun, unfortunately. He's a little bit older. I mean, he's a sexy motherfucker in his own life, but, you know, whatever. 328, you can call the police on that one. you got to be careful, dude, because if you end up like with this looking like a kind of Gandalf slash Billy Connolly love child, it could go sideways real quick. <laughs> just, just bear that in mind. Just bear that in mind. Uh, I'll have to keep. I'll have to keep my body in well shape, you know, because like, I, I don't want to get to that point. It's like, what happened to him? Yeah. Billy Conley's love child and Gandalf's love child just kind of like uh, he went off. He went on the donuts, dude. That's what happens. That's Depressed it. in donuts. All right, cool. So real quickly, because uh, for the people that don't know who you are, I'd love to get an introduction from you as well about what you do, because essentially you do storytelling and 
on such a different level. It's like entrepreneurs specifically, but I'd love for you to just share what you do. Yeah, it came it came about as a bit of a like a mongrel of skill sets, I guess. Um, stuff. My dog's trying to get out. Let me let him out. As we, <laughs> it was it was this. Um, I was in the fitness industry. I'd been in the fitness industry since about two thousand, and in the middle of all of that, I'd kind of moonlighted into property and a few online businesses and and bits and bobs. And I, I I've always been into creative stuff i've been a drummer in a band since 13 i played with bands like radiohead and reef and on tour and all that type of stuff and so a bit like a creative aspect of it. all my studies were in art archi- uh, architecture graphics all that type of stuff so this there was always this creative arm to me and um all all fit pros tend to gravitate eventually i say all majority tend to gravitate towards coaching because they find that the people that they're, they're helping it's not so much that they need to know what to do. I mean, you can find out what to do on Google for free. You just go on YouTube and it'll it tell you what to do. It doesn't cost anything. You don't need to pay for a trainer or any of that stuff. Yeah. But what, what trainers then start to struggle with is the mindset behind stuff, like the behaviors. And I, and I got fascinated with that. So I, I went down that realm. And at the same token as going down that realm, I began writing about it. So there's these two creative outputs. And running parallel, so I got this coaching and writing thing going on. Running parallel, I began editing videos for my band at the time. I was just doing a, a, a covers wedding band. And these two, these three skill sets, if you will, all converged onto each other. So this fascination with coaching and human behavior, the writing side of it, like trying to tell stories and get the point across. And I become quite, uh, quite good at video editing. And I, I got to this point where I'd gravitated out of fitness. I wanted to try and get into coaching. It was incredibly hard to make a dent into the into the world just just writing alone. So I started making videos with my little coaching message, if you will. And they were they were simple, they were basic stuff. But I was using you know a DSLR and a microphone and a wireless mic, and I just figured it all out as a hobby. And then I was editing them and putting music on, and it, it was echelons ahead of what anybody else was doing. Yep. I thought, well, they, they, you know, they, like. This is going to be great to promote me. And then all of a sudden, I, I, I started to really feel the pinch of trying to build a coaching business. It was really starting to great. And at the time, I was I was writing a lot. I was doing a lot of writing and a lot of copywriting for my, my own company, which I had some shares in with a, a guy, just horrible, boring stuff, man in van, electricians and locksmiths. And it's just terrible stuff. Mm-hmm. But I could... I had a, a, amazing conversion rates for it, but it just did not excite me. Just the thought of doing it, and I, I, I walked away from it. And um, as a result, that at that time, I started to get in a, into a couple of financial difficulties. It's this transition period where you know, yeah. I've got wife, three kids, a house. You're trying to bridge from one thing to another, and I took my eye off the ball. I'd, I'd really kind of lost the plot with it, and at the same time. As well, I was hit with a real emotional like bomb in my life where uh, my wife accidentally found out that my dad wasn't my real dad, and wow. I was forty-one. Holy and I'm like, wow. what the fuck? And it and it sent me into a bit of a flat spin, and that really caused me to take my eye off the ball off a lot of things. And uh, of course, when financial pain strikes, you you get real real fast. You have to, especially if you've got children and dependents, you start to really pull your finger out, stop fucking around, you know, like you're spending all day looking at social media and just planning and coming up with ideas. So I started to make um, 
some plans and nothing seemed to be working. And then I thought, well, what am I good at? What do I love and what do I think I'm good at? So I started making more dynamic videos. I started to make them in more of a storytelling context. I was doing them all by myself. I was I was shooting them with B-roll and setting them up in unique angles. And this is before I'd, I'd actually come across someone like Casey who was doing it in a, in a vlogging concept. And um, it caught people's attention. And people said, wow, you're fucking really good at this. Would you do one for me? Remember the first video I made, it was like 500 quid. It took me three weeks to edit. It was a 21-minute documentary. Which, who the fuck's going to watch that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, social media. And um, and not two years later, my rate had gone from 500 quid to a starting point of five grand for the same type of thing. And and for something that's sub five minutes to, to make. And it was with a team behind me. And, and it was like, wow, that was that was a that was a quick graduation, as it were. And and how I, I developed it in that kind of two-year time frame with this convergence of my ability to write, my ability to understand humans and the behavioral aspects behind it, and my ability to create from a, a if you will, from a, a visual perspective with video. But at the same token, um, editing requires rhythm. I've been a drummer for 30 years. So I just had this natural, I guess, tendency to be able to understand how to use music and narrative and timing with with the shots as well. And, and I just got into it. I'm, I fully immersed myself into anything I'm doing. And it was rough around the edges. I was flying around the world doing videos for free for people. You know, I was... I got invited to places like Baby Bathwater to film for those guys. And next thing, I'm I'm shooting all of my peers, which I was, you know, my coaching peers. It was just ridiculous. I was like, where did this all come from? Yeah. And then, you know, 18 months in, I'm stood in a boxing ring with Gary Vaynerchuk with a camera rig pointing in his face, and and you know, he's slapping my ass on the way into the ring, and and he, he wanted this message, and he told this company to go fuck themselves right in front, right into the lens, um, and it was, um, and from there, just that photo established me as a guy that can do this stuff and it caused people to fall into my world and see what I was up to and then we made some some belting films that have you know one or two have gone like organically viral you know viral in the context of you know above million organic which is which is good um and then you know the wet some of them weren't that great they were when we were still learning this stuff I started to understand that there was there was a real need for people to um, this is when video was starting to grow. Yeah. It, was in its, it was in its seedlings. So I was kind of ahead of the curve, fascinated about it, and got ahead of it. And then all of a sudden it became big. It's like video, video, video. Everybody's talking about it. But then people are saturating the marketplace with live videos and popping selfie videos up here and there. And it's all bullshit. It's all crap. Yep. No watch it. And I realized that the heart behind it, the spine, was story. Yep. If you take the concepts of story from copywriting, well, if you if you've been into that, and you transfer it over to video, and I was like, how the fuck am I gonna teach people this? Because I want to I want to share this wisdom, and that's where Stents was born. So Stents being storytelling entrepreneurs. Uh, so we have this free group called Storytelling Entrepreneurs, and then I started labeling myself as I am the entrepreneur storyteller, and that was my little strap line. And I shoot you in the face and suck out your story was my little kind of yeah. strap. And, it's nothing other than being interested in people, having a camera running, and then once that interview is done, going away and trying to bring it to life visually based on what they've said. It's, it's really it's really not more complicated than that. Yeah. 
I tried to study storytelling for a while. Um, I spent a fortune <laughs> books on Amazon, and I started yeah. couldn't get through the first chapter of any of them. Yeah, um, no. When you look at studying story, what I've actually found is it is insanely difficult to get through. I mean, um, it's so technical, yeah, so technical. And if you look, we have people come in our group who want to be storytellers, and I just say fuck off. Like this is like, this is storytelling entrepreneurs not storytellers this is not a, a group for people who want to be world-class storytellers this is a group for people who want to leverage the power of storytelling as an entrepreneur big 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 difference so huge how we're going to kind of communicate that and use that and advise on that is totally different to telling someone how to be like my we have a, I have a guy who's, he's like a director of photography. That's the official title. I was like, what the fuck does that even mean? Is that, are you a cameraman? And he's like, no. He's like, I'm, you know, completely offended by that because I don't know shit about the film industry. So he, he's kind of backhanded, educated me on it. And what it basically means is he is a traditional filmmaker. He makes, he makes films, he, ma he tells stories and he does it visually. And that's all he likes to do. And he doesn't want anything to do with the people. You don't have anything to do with sales or anything like that. So one of the great things is that I, I kind of talked him into my world to do our higher end stuff. And he's a genius at it. And with my production skills and his directorship, if you will, and the, and the pair of us combining so that I bring the marketing brain and he brings a storytelling brain. The, that that old school crafted start he studied storytelling as he went yeah. and i'm like dude how the fuck did you do that and he went oh god yeah it's hard and it we we've we've done a couple of jobs overseas and uh so we have plenty of time to get in the downtime and he said do you know what storytelling really is mark and i go here we go it's gonna be brilliant so i need to write this, this down he said no you could you'll remember this it's only one word and he said in it's order that's all it is. Storytelling is order. Yep. That's what, and I said, elaborate on that. What do you mean? He said, the world is chaotic and storytelling provides order within the chaos. And he said, if you if you want to look at it in a slightly different way, all good, all great storytelling is, a, is about overcoming conflict. Not as in the Romans and, you know, I'm, just, I'm watching Vikings at the moment, which is great really show. Yeah, and, it, and it's 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 not that type of conflict. It can just be any conflict. It's like I'm going to be late for something. That's conflict. Yeah. Will they get there? And it's and people are going down this, this seven stories and all this lot and seven storytelling plots. And I think Ron Howard, the director, said he thinks there's only one plot. And on, on that, uh, what's that stuff? Masterclass. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So I love those guys. They've just brought Ron Howard in recently, and Ron Howard said, I think there's only one plot. And I, I've not watched it, but I bet you if we did, he would talk about the order in the chaos. Entirely. Meant. I mean, this, the idea is like one of the things that I do probably better than most, and you've, you've, you know, we've spoken for years and been in each other's circles, is the idea of combining direct response copywriting with a really good story. And mm -hmm. I think you were there when I first birthed the idea of my checklist of like the order of how to write copy through these 17 points of what you need to do. Yeah. And what's really, and it does fuck me off so much when people don't really realize what that is. Cause it's only recently I was speaking to, um, uh, Tony Grebmeyer and Justin Devonshire and a few other people like over the last couple of days. And all of them came to the same conclusion that have seen this, which is, are you fucking kidding me? This thing, why is this in order in the way that it is? And like, because to tell a good story to sell someone something, you need a start, it needs to be an end, but it needs to flow between everything. 
because best, it's like it's like being on a date. You got to answer the questions before they come up. If you if you had a if you just sat down and had a coffee or a beer with someone, yeah, and you said what was what what's been the most challenging moment in your life, and you said to them, "Tell me the build up." Oh my god! Sorry, so, you're validating something for me right now. Please keep going. You know, if you said just tell me the build up to it, but most importantly. Tell me how you felt on the way there. And and you just you, you didn't give them any guidelines. You just said be as detailed as you want. It doesn't matter, like because they'll always say only get to the ju Stephen King always says just get to the juicy bits, you know, like, like stuff like that. But if you just got them to tell you it as it was chronologically from the gut. And then and another guy, a good he's brilliant marketer, you know, and I you know, I've worked with him, I shot with him, I've helped him on some of his on some of his project projects and shoots, is Ryan Lee. And Ryan, he said he has had zero training in copywriting. He said, I don't even like think about it. I just, I sit down, I write what I want to write and I leave it at that. And he, and he said, and I'm, I've just, I've not studied it. I just write what's coming out of my mouth, you know, what's coming out of my brain, straight out of my mouth onto the paper. He said, and it tends to work. And I think if, if you, it's easy to say to people because people go, oh, well, fuck, you know, like they've been around the block or you've got a skill set. Like, no, no, no. What? What people don't realize is the thing that stops people doing that is they don't have a definition of who they are. Yep. So the, the message is one thing, but if the messenger doesn't know who they are, they have conflicts within themselves. Like I'm, it might be in a game stuff. I'm not good enough. I'm afraid of what people might think of me. You know, not enough scarcity and judgment. Both of those, those two things. Those are the most rife things that crop up yep. by the across any niche. That's uh, where you're consultative or coaching or helping or mentoring. The the person's usually struggling with something along the lines of, I don't know if this is good enough scarcity and what might people think about it and will I be excluded as a result of judgment? And it's like, wow, everywhere you go, anybody you speak to, you can find these fuckers hiding under the bonnet. Oh, yeah, Every no, I've got them. I know I do. Like they come up all the time. I think we've had a weird discussion about this at some points as well about like how that shit starts me doing things. And the interesting thing is, is in our in our paid world, so where people pay us to come and do, to help them with this stuff, we have them with two things, obviously the story side of it and the video side of it. Those are, those are our wheelhouses, as it were. Not, not so much the writing side, predominantly that side. But when we get into the story side of things, I actually spend a disproportionate amount of my time not teaching them storytelling, but actually teaching them to, to undo a lot of the shit that they've been like laden with to not be that person. It's like if you said to someone, you know, like like the the concept of wearing a mask, being somebody who you're not. I actually spend most of my time telling them to take the fucking mask off and just be themselves. And actually, that there's nothing to learn or to teach or to improve upon on being yourself. I would say, you know, don't don't be all you can be. Be all that you fucking are already. That will be enough. And could you please do it as a first-rate version of yourself rather than a fucking second-rate version of some other fuckwit whose mask you're wearing? You know, and they go, well, this is refreshing. I said, it's not refreshing. I'm giving you fucking permission to be free of it all and then just get it out there. And this, like, they can pontificate over this and procrastinate for six months, and then they'll put one post out that's really from the gut, and it'll go fucking nuts, and their audience will go, Wow. And I say, right, good, right, pat on the back, well fucking done, now do it again. Because our mantra in Stents is, um, as much as being patient, which, you know, Gary Vee's always sort of harping on about, is to be consistent, persistent, and frequent. And as, as an entrepreneur, as a content creator, as a storyteller, 
consistency, persistency, and frequency need to be the pillars of what you do from content. If, there, if those are principles that you have, don't fucking worry about all the tactics and all of the other shit, like what camera and, you know, what's the best plot. Like, fuck all that. It doesn't matter. Yep. Fucking matter at all. People go like, "Wow, this is liberating." I go, "I know it's it's that's intentional." <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be liberated. You and liberate you and free you of this this facade. And like Gareth is the traditional storyteller. Let's say, well, that's not storytelling. I go, "Be patient, you fucking storytelling snob." He starts <laughs> laughing at me because he's a tra- he's a traditional filmmaker. But on social, as an entrepreneur, it's like um, for. For people who are in America, they might not get this, so I'll, I'll try and f- you probably help, help us with a, a show that might be the same, but in Britain, we have EastEnders and Coronation Street, and I always say to people, when the fuck do they end? And they never go, do. Oh, God, yeah, and they don't end. There's no plan for them to end. They constantly keep going, so whatever the American equivalent is, basically... You can, you can find any... Basically, uh, soaps. If you guys watch any soaps over in the US that have been running running for absolute ages, like Dallas, MASH, all those kind of things that had huge standing ratings for years on end, think yeah. Doctor Who over here, because Doctor Who, Who is, like, transcendental. You can go on both yeah. sides, but they never end. And the interesting thing is that they're on... I don't know what the frequency is these days, but when I was little, it was Tuesdays and Thursdays and Mondays and Wednesdays for the other one. And basically, every week, two shows a week, they're there and have been since my mum was a little girl. Mm-hmm. Like like on the TV and it's like, fuck, these are 30, 40-year-old pro- television programs. And social media for entrepreneurs now is kind of like that. This ongoing documentation of your story, not having to follow the beginning, the middle, and the end. And, you know, documenting your journey, tell it, speaking your truth as, as you go, telling it like it is. I, I say to people, you know, like we... we as it stands right now as a company, I've I've no fucking interest in showing people what we show in stents to anybody making over a hundred grand. And they go, why not? I said, because our avatar is basically people under that. Anybody making over a hundred grand, you should not be learning it. You should be paying me to consult for you and your team and get it done in a completely different way. And that and that's the other arm of my business now. I've been approached by couple of viral video companies and they've they've, you know they pay me a fucking significant sum now to to consult for them and the main reason being is the the change in the algorithm you know word got out there and and they said you know fuck we've got to make video now that that creates an emotional response which causes people to comment in a deeper way i.e five or six lines of comments rather than lol a fucking emoticon on the end of it and brilliant you know this one word shit's gone now and yeah. facebook will 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 reward you for the depth of your comments so they're like well how the fuck do we make emotive videos and a lot of these viral agencies these viral video agencies and social media production companies are actually saying that they can set that saying that they offer this yet they had no fucking skill sets in house to do it yeah. so you know my name got passed around a few of them and I've had, a, I've had a couple of meetings with a few of them and gone in and said, are you doing this? And they're like, how the fuck do you know this stuff? And I'm like, well, this is people. Like, if you, you've got to remember, you're, in the, you're not in business. You have a company, and a company is a company of people. And that company of people are there to solve a problem that other people have got. Like, you're doing business. You're not in business. This is a big fucking difference. And if you look at it from that concept, people, you don't know people, you don't know business. 
And this is this is the puzzle, the Rubik's cube puzzle that we're trying to solve all the time, the the human behavioural side of it all. And and you know ultimately these guys are like fucking it's like the the box has been opened with me walking in. It's like what about this? What about this? You could do this. What about that? That story should run like this. And I'm like fuck. Their poor old content managers are sort of looking at me as if to say fuck. We should know this. It's like don't worry about it. Like you only know what you can know. Like the the, the key now is take what I'm fucking telling you and apply it. You know and it's. That's that's where it's got to go. But I, I I was on a round table like podcast thing, whatever it was once, and um, it's like seven storytelling like gurus, masters, whatever you want to call it. And I knew what the first question was going to be before the the host asked it, and he was going to say, "So why storytelling? Like why is it important?" And I was poised, ready to fucking launch in. And I said, "I'll take this," just like really loud, so that my dumb Yorkshire accent was was <laughs> top of the top of the tree. I said, "I'll tell you why storytelling because fuck all else work." <laughs> and the whole the whole place just went silent. It was like there's there's nothing else upstream of that comment. Why are you storytelling as an entrepreneur? Because fuck all else works. Yep. And if you know if people aren't buying into that concept, then good luck with your facts your figures and your logic are trying to generate an emotional response so that people make a decision. And people go, well, oh, shit, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And of course it does. Tell more stories. You know, Tell an ongoing story of your business. Share stories. Borrow stories. Tell somebody else's story. Tell a story of being on this show today. Yeah. You know, and they're everywhere. So yeah, it's, you can pick up experiences from every single thing. Like something that I come up with... Um, like to take it back to like the business copywriting side of stuff and how this actually all melts in. There's this whole concept of hooks that everyone uses. I'm going to, I don't use hooks. I, I really don't like, they just come out because what I look at is, okay, what is the core story that you're telling here? And what is the aspect that appeals most to the person that you're trying to talk to? Yeah. And like figure that shit out, but be you like, you can't, yeah. one of the things we, um, I was at a, I was at a dinner last night and I got asked, what type of client do I like to work with? I said, honestly, I work more with personal brands. I was like, mm -hmm. I never once said that to anyone before. It was just, it just came up. I was like, I work with personal brands. Like, why? I was like, if you gave me an idea between, okay, you can write for Tony, you can write for Jay, or you can write for, um, I don't know, this other company that doesn't really have a story, which one are you going to go for? I'm like, 10 out of 10 times, it's one or two. Tony or Jay, I'd write for any day of the week. Why? Because the story it's so easy to like for me to interpret out and sell with your story. There isn't one. We'd have to make something to go with it. We'd have to interview people. We'd have to go through the other stuff and all the other fun stuff. I'm like, that is far too much work for yeah. the amount that you would have paid me. And there's no, there's no messenger. There's no face. Yeah. It's going to fall. It's going to be, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's, and, and the, and the interesting thing now is that these companies are coming back down the line and and finding people like us and going, how the fuck do how the fuck are these young books doing this? I I would say people say, who do you help, Mark? I said, well, entrepreneurs is just a label and a loose term, and like, who's truly an entrepreneur? I don't know. I just, like I picked that name back in the day, and it's staying. It just works for us. So business owners, and if I if you want to drill it down a bit, I say anybody that hangs their face off their business, and they go, what do you mean? I look like a personal brand, like they are the face and the message. Uh, they are the, the messenger that literally embodies and owns the message. That's who I work with. So yeah. if, if Apple, well, I'd go, well, who's telling this fucking story? It's like nine engineers and a sales guy. It's like, ah, 
is the is is the fee really big? Because <laughs> I'd take the fee, do the work, and pay my mortgage off. But it wouldn't be the work that lights me up. Yeah, you know, like like it, it wouldn't. And I think there's more and more opportunity these days for people to hang their face off the business. I, I wrote a, a you put those colored boxes on Facebook, and you you put a little glass two liner in, and I just put want to build a personal brand, be more personal. You know, like simple. And you go, you, you look at people's feeds and, and websites and blogs and listen to their stuff, watch their YouTube channels. They're not being personal. Yeah. They're being impersonal. They're being the total fucking opposite. And the, the problem then that lies in is that people start freaking out because they're like, well, how much do I share? Do I take a photo of myself taking a dump? And it's like, well, you decide where the barriers are, where the boundaries are. Yeah. You know, you, you, you could lean into it or go like fully hip deep into it as much as you or as little as you want. But there's a sweet spot on where it'll serve you and them and that's just exploration. No one can tell you where that is. You have to you have to you have to try and find it. I I've pretty much told the world just about everything about me because I'm interested in experimenting with it, you know. Told the story about my dad. I've told the story about you know, like trying to like end myself in my mid twenties for some dumb shit I'd done. You know, I've been nearly broke. I'm, I'm, I'm quite open with, you know, where are we at as a company? We're not one of these seven-figure billy bullshit, six-figure this, blah, blah, blah. Like, this is where we're at. We're growing, and this is what we do. Here's our work. Let's be transparent and honest, and people love that. Yeah, they do. They gravitate towards truth. Yeah, they don't like it. They fucking love it. And that love is, is – the difference between like and love is one's emotional, yep. much, much more emotional. So oh, entirely. Um, I mean, it's the reason why, like, people always come to you and clamor to you and what it is they do. Because I've read your posts. I mean, they're long, but they're fucking really good to read. I love sitting down just reading them like, all right, cool, this is a great post. And I think you did something. What was the challenge? 30 and 30? Like, share yeah. 30 facts about you that no one knows in 30 days? It was actually, it was 30 things you'd love the world to know about you that they don't already know. Yeah. So it's like, it's very, it's really important that it's, it's like framed that way. 30 things you'd love the world to know about you, assuming that they might already know them, that you would that you would love them to know about you. And it's like, just it, it goes rabid. Every year, every sort of January, I wait for all the Billy Bullshit New Year's resolutions to wind down, people not getting mileage and leverage. I say, hey, try this. People just set, share simple stuff, like just dumb shit. It is. I'm not, I'm not being derogatory. So like, you know, once I was in an ambulance and I farted and it made the ambulance laugh, the ambulance driver laugh. Like, great. That's it. Three lines. You know, we know something more about you. That wasn't happening before, and now it is. And now the, you know, you're not being judged, and you're you're actually being like welcomed in. This this is the interesting thing, right? The one, and it like this will help your listeners. This the most imp- the most rife problem is judgment. What will people think of me? And you have plenty of like like well intentioned people saying. You know, don't give a fuck about it. And, and that's easy to say, but it doesn't solve the problem. And I, I find what solves the problem most is if you actually explain to people what judgment actually is. Rather than helping them through it, just say, do you know what judgment is? And everybody shakes their head. and Or, or they'll define it by saying, someone will say something about me. And I say, well, well, yeah, good or bad. They'll say, bad. It'll hurt. And I go, okay, right. So you think judgment's that. And actually what judgment is, is exclusion. So if, you know, if two guys rock up wearing blue sweatshirts and they say, look, blue sweatshirts are the thing, and one, the, the third guy rocks up wearing a red sweatshirt, you know, the black sheep, the odd one out, 
and the two blue guys gang up on him and judge him as a result of his one red shirt. He's not being judged. He's being excluded. He's not in the gang. And now you can just like get rid of that scenario and go, well, let's look at humans then. What, how do humans behave? Well, if you look at Australia as an example, they're not spread all over the fucking place. They all live in these little pockets around the edge all together. Why? Because humans want to be together. They don't want to be fucking excluded. And this is, this is a human behavior. So we fear being excluded, not the judgment itself. Yet the irony of it all is that when you show up and be yourself, you actually become a magnet and people are attracted in because they come in with their umbilical cord, like Dan Kennedy says, and want to plug it in and feed off the energy and, and know that they're not alone as well. So it's, it's trying to help people buy into that and believe that. Then it's the case of the storytelling and the video and, and everything else, you know, that comes of it. They become so, tools more than anything else of, like, the vehicles for you to actually tell who you are to the world. Now, something I did want to ask you as well, um, just simply because it is something that you're, um, that 1330 actually does, and I'm going to call it the 1330 because the best way I can actually think of it, yeah. is yeah. that helps you find your voice. And this this mm. this idea that very few people that people keep going through, and I mean I've gone through it myself, and we've had discussions on this, and you know still is, is I'm starting to learn more about who my voice is because again everyone has this different thing. So my line of work essentially the way I do the way I write copy differently to everyone else is I'm a custom suit, meaning in the sense of I will write as you, and it will be your voice at the end of the day, not mine. Yeah. But getting lost in doing this for so long and writing other people's voices, yeah. you kind of okay. don't mature your own voice in the, in the same presence. So this yeah, it's helps. Tough, man. So it helps. Mm. I mean, it's something that I'm it's actually embark on doing. Yeah, it. Go on, you can say. I would say that the 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 mess like the message is the story, if you will. So the message is things like what's the purpose, why are they doing it, who are they helping. You can do, look at avatar stuff. You look at the stories. You look at the whole story, the ongoing story. You know there's that's the message, as it were. And over here, we have the messenger. And this is not new stuff, by the way. Like, like explaining it like this is, is not new. But what is new to most is that there is a, um, in, in stents, we teach this sort of three-prong approach. We say, there's the story of you. So who are you as a messenger? And without your definitions of who you are firmly in place, you'll always find that you'll be a bit shaky in whatever environment you're going to. Your definitions act as foundations. So people say, well, what the fuck does this even mean, Mark? It's like, you need to know who you are. You need to be able to wake up in the morning and define who you are. Like, who are you? And people go like, I have no fucking idea. I've never even thought about it. I'm just me. Well, who's just me then? And if you don't get these definitions in place, that mask will come and attack you. It's like an it's like the fucking alien thing. It'll the just glue it. itself around you know, and you'll end up sounding and looking like somebody else without these definitions. So that's the, that's kind of the, the foundations of the story of who you are. And your stories are your stories. That's it. It's just my stories are interesting. Yes, they are. It's not the story that people give a fuck about. It's the meaning behind it. It's always the meaning. They, they look at your story and go, I couldn't give a fuck. But the meaning, they then also associate with you as the messenger. And, they, and you can't give people the meaning. You have to give them the free will and the gift of being able to find the meaning themselves. And as a result, the, the messenger then becomes magnetic. So then you've got over here, you've got the story. So I, I would say like the story of you, the story of them, and the story of us. So it's this three-prong approach. So 
you understanding yourself is one part of the, the puzzle. Understanding them is the other part, the behaviors and the habits and the needs and the wants and the desires. And they say one thing and do another. Like, like exploring all that. I wrote a post today about avatar research. Just said, you know, empathy maps and all that. It's a lot of bullshit. So you want to sit down with someone, fucking ask them questions face to face. You know, when you do this, what happens? They'll give you some surface bullshit answer. And you go underneath that and start saying, well, well, what's that like? And they go, well, what do you fucking mean? What's that like? Well, what's it like? Help me understand it. You find the truth behind loads of stuff from a, from a true behavioral point of view. And then if you can bridge the story of you and the stories of them together, that's your company. That's the story of us because it's like us and you together solving that problem. That's how they need to perceptualize it in their head. And that's the game. That's what we're all trying to do. I've got like hundreds of pounds worth of copywriting books on my, which I never fucking read. I've been on courses. I've studied with people. And ultimately, that's the game. And no one's really positioning it like that. You, them, us together. What the fuck does that look like? And then, then, well, how do I make better videos about that? There you go. And it's, and it's, everybody's trying to squeeze all the juice out of all of that into a one post or one four to five minute video story. And I'm like, why the fuck would you do that? Like, like, let let me ask this. How long's a book? Well, it's 300 pages. Let's just say, how long's a movie of that book? It's two and a, two hours, two and a half hours. Could we stretch this out a bit then, please? Instead of trying to ram it all into a one document, one page, one video approach, you got no chance in doing that. So, so, so stretch it out chapter by chapter. Just let this start to bleed its way out onto the internet, into the real world. And so people can go, oh, yeah. And I tell you what, right, this is the thing that makes it work when you're consistent. If you're inconsistent, this is what's going to happen to the to the viewer, to the audience. They'll they'll not feel safe with you. And people go, "Oh, what about trust? Fuck trust! It's not about trust. It's about safety. the The brain, the human brain, is not going around all day thinking, "How do I find trust?" It's simply saying, "Am I safe? Am I safe? Am I safe?" It's saying it on a physical, mental, and emotional level constantly. That is the that's the little alarm going off all the time, nice and gently. Am I safe? Am I safe? Am I safe? Me being on this this show with you right now, I'm going, yeah, I feel all right. You know, he's keeping his clothes on on the other end. It's, it's, he's happy it's, about this. Yeah, yeah, I should really hold- just take off my shirt for him. Yeah, it's not holding sides with going, Mike, you're an asshole. He's, he's, so if the brain's always asking, am I safe? You've got to be consistent. Because that then makes them feel safe in the knowledge that you'll always be there for them. If they if they choose to invest, whether that be just eyeballs and energy and attention to begin with, and then maybe a little bit more time and perhaps even money, they need to know that you are consistent, persistent, and frequent because that's what it will be like when you go past the velvet rope. And people don't put enough into that. In terms of the, the the entrepreneur or the business owner, they they just fuck. Ah, I'll 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 show up for a bit and then I'll have a hangover over it and then I won't be there for a while. Then I'll do it again and that pattern repeats. And the human on the other end that's receiving it is going, "Don't feel safe in their world. What if they abandon me? If I give them time, energy, money, and this is why consistency is so king, so so important." It could be a great storyteller if you're consistent. (laughs) It's just, it's easy. You basically start picking it up. It's what it is. 
And consistency is something that, um, and it's kind of like fun because I'm actually going to jump on to actually asking the, my favorite questions here. And these are the ones I usually only prepare and like to surprise them on people. But before we get into that, the actual thing is one of the things I've struggled with, as I've mentioned, there's a couple of things I've struggled with on the show and, you know, I'm like getting through all of them, which is always a fun thing. So go speak to Mark because he's fucking amazing at it. Consistency is probably the biggest one simply because there is that whole thing and you've nailed, nailed it so hard right now on this show. I'm going to tell everyone about it in a second. And that is consistency. And the whole thing is what do I put out there? If you disseminate that further, it's like, what's the judgment and will I feel excluded is like exactly how it feels. Mm. So when you get rid of that whole, will I be excluded? No, I won't be excluded. In fact, people will love me even more for this. You kind of get out and go, oh, yeah, I can just show whatever the fuck I want. It's, it's fun. Like I want people to know this about me. And I encourage everyone to do the 1330 because it's fucking awesome. I mean, I'm going to be do- doing mine properly because now I'm outside my own head. I know what to do, which is lovely. Um, but my favorite question to ask the first one is what was it like you've actually spoken about where you had that transitioning period where you know emotional and financial pains came together at the same time and you mm-hmm. you had that all going on what did you do to actually get your confidence back to actually rise back up again because for a lot of people that is the ender like once that happens it's like the guillotine's cut off the head and the person never recovers mm. it's like uh, it's gonna sound like a bit of a cliche and it's a it's a bit of a tony robbins thing and he probably got it from his mentors, which was, who was it? Who did Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn. But it, yeah, but you have to, um, I forget the phrase, and I'll, try, I'll probably bastardize this, but it's in it's in your moments of decision that your destiny is shaped or something like that. It's, 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 that's, that's how Tony crafts it together. And essentially, it's just making a decision. The, hard, the, the hardest part is carrying all of the shit up to the point where you make the decision. And when you make the decision... It, it feels lighter straight away. And as you feel lighter, you feel empowered. And a little bit, you know, like it's, it's, you're not maybe fully nuclear at that point, but your light's on and you're thinking, all right, I can do this. I can give this a go. And we, our irrational fears start to just fall away a little bit more when we do that. But it's the decision. And, and for me, my back was against the wall. So, the, so for me personally, I couldn't go any further backwards. I, I could only make a step forward. And it was the decision to, well, are you going to step forward now? And that metaphorical step was to tell the truth. And I went a bit over the edge with it and just jumped off the cliff and made a full-on like higher-end production video and said, it's all gone a bit pear-shaped. This is where I've ended up. My, you know, I, I, my relationship with my wife's not very good. I don't know who the fuck I am anymore. I'm a terrible father. I've fucked up our finances. We're broke. I have no idea what my direction is. But, but... I'm going to give it my best fucking shot to try and sort this out. So this is certainly not a violin was me story. There, this is a story of hope. And if you want to, if you want to join me, and if you want to, you know, be a part of this little journey, feel free. I, I, I never told you this bit. So when I put that video out, I, I like kind of filmed it on a weekend. My family was away on on like a little caravanning holiday. It was like ten quid to stay at this site for the weekend. That's like all we had. So Lynn took our children away in this little caravan we've got. I said, I've got to work. I've got to stay home. It's the middle of summer. Like my children are growing up before my eyes and I'm at home on a weekend working. And I'd just been procrastinating and fucking around the whole weekend. And it got to like midnight on the Sunday night. They were back the next morning. And it, it just hit me. I was just like, I can't fucking lie anymore. I can't do this. 
So I set my camera up and I actually shot it at midnight and then I shot all of the B-roll the next morning when the sun came up, glued it all together and at lunchtime pressed, pressed upload onto Facebook and fucking ran out the building. I was, I was like so like concerned that that's it, everybody will just abandon you. You'll be judged. You'll have to go live in the wilderness on your own. It took me three days to respond to people when I came back. Like I, like I did no work for three days. I had emails, I had text messages, telephone calls, missed calls on Skype and Messenger. Um, I had a guy, I had a, a really good friend of mine who was a business partner with me in another business, knocking on the door saying, dude, I, uh, I'm going to invest in, a, in a, an apartment, in a flat. Uh, do you want the money? He said, I don't need it right now, and I know you'll be good for it. Do you need the money right now? He was like, he said, I've got 10 grand. Do you want it? And I'm just like, I was burst into tears. I didn't know what to say. I was like, what the fuck? Like, I'm going to try and figure this out. And it's I, I wasn't good at receiving at that point. I never took a penny off him. But it was like, wow. So I show up completely vulnerable, telling people exactly where I'm at. And it's not pretty. And I'm not, you know, a high-flying guy, as it were. And I get more fucking contact, more connection, more emotional like reactions and responses of people reaching out than I'd ever had, ever, period, all combined, put together. And I thought, well, if I just stick my fucking marketing brain on here and look at this as a businessman, there's something in this. This is worth exploring. And it was from there that I, the word story wasn't in my vocabulary at that point. I wasn't thinking that way. I wasn't thinking of video storytelling. I wasn't thinking about the you know the connection you get with people and why story and because fuck all else works. I was just doing what came natural. Yep. And, and a lot of people do this, actually. You know, the back's against the wall, and the question is, how do I move forward so you make a decision? A decision that serves you, and a decision that you can actually follow through on, so it can't be too big. It has to be something where they can take a, 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 a microscopic step with. Otherwise, it'll just send them into barrels of threat, and they'll stay stuck against that wall, unfortunately, which is tragic. It really is. It really is. It's one of the biggest things I actually see with a lot of people, including myself. Um, just incredible, like how much it can get you against the wall. And something just to go on the whole vulnerability side here, guys. Be authentic in your vulnerability. Like there is, a, there is an actual thing. Like for instance, um, I was talking to my very good friend Chip Franks, who's also been on the show. I told him, dude, this is the situation I've gotten myself into. I've got two clients that just ghosted me. I have no idea what I'm doing. My back's against the wall. What do I do here? His response was, uh, give me your payment details. Like, why? He was like, going to send you something, going to send you someone. Sends me, like, some money just to get it started. He goes, that's one, two. You have two clients coming in tomorrow that basically want to speak to you. I'm like, why? What do you do? He was like, I just told them who your last client was. And they just went, bam, done. Funnily enough, this was quite recent. So I'm like, oh. That's cool. It's brilliant, yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, really interesting, like something that you mentioned as well, just very quickly, was the association of who you're with mm-hmm. massively impacts exactly the influence that you actually bring in. But it's all yeah, down to your vulnerability. Your net worth is, you know, attributable to your network, as it were. And that is true. It, it does work like that. And it's it, is, is that true 100%? No, of course not. There's always the maverick that just builds something out of the gates with no no connections, and they just go viral, and it happens. But it can help in the other side. But it, the word authenticity is um, – I'm a big fan of it because it makes sense to people. And, and then there's people that go, fucking oh, – be authentic, and they, and they slag it, and that, they're well within their right to sort of talk about that. Everyone's talking about being authentic. But there's a simpler way to look at authenticity. 
Because it's like, how like how do you do it? How do you be authentic? Like, what's the thing I got to do? And I would say to people, well, here's a different spin on it. Um, stop lying. Yeah. And they go, what? Well, I said, look, if you're just being truthful, like, number one, be all that you are. Not all you can be. Be all that you are now. And choose who you want to be now, in this moment. Define yourself. Who are you? And now be that. That's authenticity showing up. And what you're being is the truth. If you just don't lie, don't fabricate, don't tax things, don't don't kind of exaggerate. There's, there's no need to. And just simply tell the truth. You'll be authentic. And in, interestingly, the, the, the feelings that come as a result of that for that person is that they feel enlightened and they feel lighter and freer. And that allows them to create more. And the reason is, is, it's like, if you're not lying, what are you doing? Well, you're telling the truth then. And the old adage, in, in no matter what script you look at, whether it be, you know, the Bible or the Bible of the Gita or whatever, it, you look at it and it, there's, a, there's a saying that the truth will set you free. And it's like, you, the old, in modern day times, like, hey, did you get that off your chest? It's like, what, you mean you told the truth? People go, yeah, I feel miles better now. Like, that's, that's a cool way to look at it. And, and I'll add to this, that the last kind of part to this is, why do people lie then? So people say, well, okay, yeah, tell the truth. That's one thing. But I say, well, look at the driver of why you're lying. And for most people, it's in the pursuit of perfection. We will lie and exaggerate and tax the truth to the umpteenth degree in order to pursue perfectionism. I could easily say to you now, yeah, we're doing great. It's fucking brilliant. It's all this. I'm exaggerating and, and, and choosing to tell a story about perfectionism in favor in favor of a lie because it's all it would all be billy bullshit it's not all perfect it's not all great it's not all you know blowjobs and pancakes (laughs) and 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 instead i would just say look here's my truth and people go wow he's incredibly authentic and i'm like and i'm not interested in perfectionism it you know it doesn't exist i'm just interested in being happy that's what all humans desire like everything leads to bliss that's what we're all all craving as it were we want to be happy. Hey, why are you doing that? Well, you know, I'll feel really great at the end of it. What will feeling great make you feel like? What? How will it be when you're great? Well, I'll be happy. And if you ask them, well, what will that be like? And, you, and they can't tell you something above it. There's nothing above happiness. They'll use a different word for it, like bliss or joy or, you know, ecstasy or whatever. But it's the same shit. They're just saying to be happy. And that's what, that's what people want. And it, it like... If you want to get into the deep side of things, but the, but with a simple way to look at stuff, all human thoughts derive from a sponsoring thought, which sits above it. And there's two of them: one's fear and one's love. And it's that simple. If you you can go right down every single thought and analyze them and say that one's sponsored out of fear and that one's sponsored out of love. It is like the greatest dichotomy next to north and south. You know, like left and right, up and down, love and fear. What is the opposite of love? Hate. No, it's not. Hate is a derivative of fear. Love is on one side of the polarity and fear is on the other. And if you want to know where your own thoughts are going, ask this. What would love do now? And if it says, well, it wouldn't fucking do that, that means that thought was a fearful thought then. And, And more often than not, loving thoughts will actually serve as much more than a fearful thought. I would say to people operate from love do what love would do but no fear 
know what it is so you know the dichotomy because if it, i know the viewers can't see this right now but if if i said to you dude where's my hand now you'd like and for the for the viewers i'm holding it up yeah so so you'd say mark it's up and i say how the fuck do you know it's up well i can see it no what's it relative to well down yeah, yeah. and it's 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 the, it's the same dichotomy with love and fear where's that thought sponsored from if you clock yourself on this regularly as often as you can where's this thought coming from as I learned a new thing the other day, which was if you're ever going to put something out there, put it out from a place of strength and no other place. Always communicate and write and shoot videos and do podcasts and communicate with people and have telephone calls from a place of strength, not weakness. Why? Because that's what love would do. Simple as that. And, and it's like, well, can you be like, can you be weak? What if you was reaching out to a coach because you don't feel strong? If you're reaching out to a coach, that is strength, not weakness. You might be experiencing weakness, but you're strong in the reaching out part of it. So, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in Neil Donald Walsh's work for anybody that wants to explore that. Conversations with God and the whole series, just it's epically written. It's brilliant. Absolute breath of fresh air, that stuff. What's really brilliant is actually I'm going through Conversations with God this year. Like it's one of the 26 books I picked out for this year to go through. Um, it's next after finishing up uh, Stealing Fire, which is brilliant. But Mark, okay, cool. We're just at that point right now, guys. Check out Stents on Facebook or Storytelling Entrepreneurs on Facebook. Mark, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show and getting to know you better as well. Um, and yeah, guys. Follow the crap out of him. He is actually hilarious, funny, really raw. And again, something I'd recommend everyone to do is the 1330 challenge. Find out exactly what it is from stents, join, and then go ahead and do it because I guarantee you, you will have far more fun with yourself. And again, you know, as Mark said, he's dropped like a ton of nuggets on this. Go, go back and listen to it again. It's just brilliant. But Mark, thanks again, my friend. Have a great day. Thanks, buddy. All right, guys. See you guys soon on the next episode. Bye.